Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome back to Murder and Mimosas. I'm Danica. And I'm Shannon. We're going to start today's episode starting with a crime and work our way to the killer and their upbringing, which is backwards to how we normally do the layout of our episodes, but at the end, I think you'll understand why we're doing it this way. So we're going to go to December 1985. In northern Maine, almost to the Canadian border, a woman pulls over on the side of the road just a week or so after Thanksgiving. She had an uncontrollable urge to pee and decided to pull over near a gravel pit since nature was calling. However, she would soon realize that she was in store for much more than a quick roadside bathroom break. This urge this woman felt was not her bladder. Instead, it was signs of labor. Much to her surprise, she went into labor and delivered a baby in sub-zero temperatures in the snow. Oh, wow. That is one rough labor. Freezing temperatures, no epidural, no sterile environment, or medical help. I agree, but I don't agree with the things the new mother does next that night. I'm unsure if it was to hide the newborn or just total fear, but the mom of the baby leaves the minute minute-old infant in the snow and flees the scene, somehow driving herself home after just giving an unexpected birth in the condition she did. The next morning, a sweet husky named Paka was let out for, you know, its nature calling and found this frozen baby in the snow. Paka picked the infant up gently and carried it about 700 feet to its home. The owners, when they realized what their dog had brought home, of course, called the police. It would not take long for the baby to be lovingly referred to as baby Jane Doe. A little girl died by freezing to death, and a case ensues to find out who would do this to a newborn. Unfortunately, that would not happen quickly. I have two questions. Did they have any evidence? Also, if the dog moved the baby, how did they know where the dog moved the baby from? Well, those two questions kind of go together. There's quite a bit of snow on the ground, so they were able to follow the dog's paw prints, to where it became obvious that the baby had been born. Within the snow was frozen blood and a placenta from giving birth. There were footprints and tire tracks in the snow as well. A little girl born provided not much of the time other than tufts of strawberry blonde hair. Also, believed to be born close to full-term pregnancy, weighing 6 pounds and 8 ounces. At the time, the case was opened by Sergeant Charles Love, and he was investigating and held this case very close to his heart. He would not be the one to bring the resolution to this case, as he hoped, but did check in on the progress even after retirement. Every time a detective quit on the case, transferred, or was retired, a new detective was put on the cold case of baby Jane Doe. Along the way, a few solid leads were found, but after over three decades, the department needed new techniques to solve this case and bring justice to baby Jane Doe. What kind of new techniques? Well, they got access to commercial DNA tests, things things like Ancestry or 23andMe. It was found that someone in the Daigle family had traces of a match to the baby DNA. 
Through this technique, the mother was found to be Lee Ann Daigle. It's, it's good that we can bring uh, resolution to the family um, and bring closure to, to a very tough case. The case was the culmination of decades worth of investigative work from dozens of now retired and current detectives who never gave up finding answers. Detective Pelletier and Lindsay have chased every lead and spent countless hours working and following up new leads that helped identify baby Jane Doe's mother. The Sergeant Love is the father of one of the detectives that was on the case when they solved it, right? Yeah, so the one that was talking during the press conference is Lieutenant Jeffrey Love, the overseer of the cold case homicide unit, and he's the son of Sergeant Charles Love, who was on the case 36 years ago when they found baby Jane Doe. I'm glad they found the mother, but now I'm desperately wanting to know why. Why did she leave her newborn baby girl in the snow to die? The narrative I'm about to tell you regarding the why and what happened after baby Jane Doe was born are accounts of Leanne Daigle's close family members after her, her arrest. So at the time baby Jane Doe was born, Leanne Daigle was still Leanne Gret, but was dating her future husband, John Daigle. He was 23 years old at the time, and she was 21 when they met. Um, they met on the 4th of July of 1985. The two dated, even having Thanksgiving with John's parents. Less than two weeks later, she gave birth to baby Jane Doe on the side of the road. Oh, okay. Wait, <clears throat> hold up. I have a few questions again because this is blowing my mind. Okay, so number one, could nobody tell this chick is pregnant? Number two, you mentioned previously that baby Jane Doe was full term or close to it. But if John and Leanne met in July, it could have not been his baby, right? So John said that at no point did he ever think she was pregnant. He went even went as far as to say his mother didn't notice. Leanne's mother never mentioned anything to him. However, it's not unheard of that people are pregnant and not aware of it. Leanne also tells family members after her arrest that throughout the summer she met and had dated John, that she continued to have what appeared to her as menstrual cycles, just again rare but not impossible. John Daigle was very surprised when he heard the news a month after baby Jane Doe. John and Leanne moved in together to New Hampshire. Two years after they met, they married and went on to have two children, both of which also happened to be girls. John felt maybe Leanne never told him or anyone else because she wanted to move in with John and likely felt a baby fathered by a different man would end the relationship. Okay, so not John's baby. Do they know who the father of the baby is? Yes. So Kristen, the daughter of Leanne and John, as well as John himself, were given the father's name from the police. When he was tracked down, he was in an assisted living facility due to many years of drug use that led him unable to communicate. So this only allows us to consider Leanne's narrative, which she gave her daughter, Kristen. Again, to clarify, Leanne only told Kristen the following information after Leanne had been arrested. But here we go. Kristen said that her mother had totally blocked out the event of giving birth on the side of the road going as far as willingly cooperating with the police to give them DNA, thinking that she would be ruled out. I know our brains can block traumatic events to protect us, but the other part of me wonders if maybe Leanne 
was ready to be caught. It is possible, um, especially because we talked about this, you know, off air for a little bit, but you probably think that you're never going to get caught after almost 40 years that maybe she realized like, they, you know, the jig is up. And so she just cooperated to have this over, to have this, you know, ghost that's always been following her put to rest. But Kristen, her daughter, did the math on when her mother would have had to conceive or around about with the baby being pretty close to full term. And it would have been right around Leanne's 21st birthday. However, she again had no memory of sleeping with the man the police gave her the name of. Leanne suspects she might have been drugged and raped. Leanne was adamant she was not aware she was pregnant or she would have terminated the pregnancy. Since she did not know she was pregnant, she did not know the baby was full term. She swore to her daughter that the baby never cried or anything. She thought the baby was stillborn. She wanted to leave it in the past, is what Leanne had said. I have some very mixed emotions right now. What happened after her arrest? Well, at first, police felt Leanne could not have managed this on her own, giving birth unmedicated on the side of the road in sub-zero temperatures to then get in her car and drive. It's a feat all its own. Investigators thought Leanne had to have someone assist her. Of course, they looked at John Daigle as he's the only person they thought might have been of help to her. However, he had documentation that at that time, he was back in college in Orano, which is over three hours away. After ruling him out as an accomplice to this, Leanne was indicted with a murder charge. Leanne was first seen in court on July 14th of 2022, the day after her arrest, and she pleaded not guilty. At this time, her status is unknown as to where she stands in the judicial system. I can see it taking some time to go to trial since she pleaded not guilty, and this is an almost 40-year-old case. However, Leanne Daigle and her family are not the only ones who were affected by this case. Do you remember Baca? The dog that found baby Jane Doe? Yeah, so his owners have for decades been worried that this case would never be solved. I mean, imagine their surprise when they found out that the mother of the baby had been found. Armand and Lorraine were never, never able to have children of their own and always wished the mother of the baby had just rang their doorbell. They would have taken in the baby and adopted it. Kind of like a safe haven situation. Exactly. Because during this time, safe haven laws hadn't been in place, so there were no safe haven box boxes around. Uh, baby Jane Doe was buried in a numbered grave that Armand and Lorraine planned to put a name on the headstone. Lorraine had always had a name picked out for the little girl that she decided should be the name of the baby. So baby Jane Doe is now Jean Chanel which is the name that the couple hopes to put on a headstone one day. And that name is actually Armand's mom's name and Lorraine's mom's name together. So that was really sweet. Now that Lorraine knows who the mother of the baby is that made her way to her doorstep almost 40 years before, she plans to write to Leanne Daigle while she's incarcerated and ask what many of us want to know why. Why did she leave the baby in the snow that fateful night? We will keep you updated as the rest of this case unfolds. I know that it's not something that got a lot of widespread attention, but I think it's a really interesting case um, that without the DNA that we see, you know, 
growing over time, the technology probably wouldn't have been solved. That's true. I'm actually surprised that they they kept this case up because so many cold cases, you have to have family members really fighting to stay on the case. So I'm glad that somebody had this baby in their mind and heart and kept the case open. Yeah. And part of me thinks maybe because it was a baby that that was part of the reason. And maybe because it has its own familial ties with the original detective who was on the case being the father of the one of the cold case, you know, yes. people now, um, I can imagine having to to see that little baby, you know, his father checked in every so often. I'm sure that was much easier to do when your son is over cold cases. That's true. So I kind of think that because of family, this was part of the reason that it stayed alive um, and was able to be solved through DNA. I do feel for Lorraine and Armand. I know that that probably wasn't ever an option that went through Leanne Daigle's head to go 700 feet to that house and be like, hey, will you take my baby? No, um, I'm sure that wasn't an, or an option or a thought. And I mean, we know how painful childbirth is. Well, I didn't do it without an epidural. I didn't either. Um, so I don't even know the kind of crazy pain that this woman was going through and freezing cold temperatures. So, I mean. I honestly don't know what might have been going through her mind or if she even remembers. Yeah. And so the sense nobody knew she was, I mean, nobody says that they suspected. Nobody said she looked pregnant, seemed pregnant. It's possible that she really didn't know. And that in itself is probably its own time of shock and trauma that happened. And then you give birth on the side of the road that's just that's true but that part kind of gets me too like cause she had a strong urge to pee I mean um contractions did not feel like a strong no. urge to pee I felt like I was about to rip somebody's head off yeah that I never seen when I was researching people like there's no way that was it that she felt but I I agree that's not what labor feels like <laughs> but you know that's her story and she seems to be sticking to it um it's just a wild case to me, and I'm, it's wild to me that it's been solved, and I'm so glad that it has. I love that Armand and Lorraine have given this baby its own name. So instead of That's forever nice. being baby Jane Doe, it will be baby Jean Chanel um, or Chanel, and they plan to get a birthstone for the or a headstone for this baby, so that it's not just a numbered grave. It will have a headstone with that name on it. Um, which I think is a really beautiful tribute uh, to the baby that came up to their doorstep that day. So, well, that's true. Um, yeah, it's a sad case. It gives me, it, I just can't imagine leaving a baby in the snow, but I also don't know what she was going through. I'm a little yeah. surprised that 40 years later that they're indicting her for. I am too. Did you know if there was an autopsy done on the baby? Maybe the baby was stillborn or I couldn't find anything, but I'm thinking maybe they haven't released that um because they've kept this cold case open in hopes to solve it, that maybe that's something that'll come out in court. Um so I know that we released the Idaho four murders not that long ago and we said we'd keep that up as that trial comes. Uh we will do the same with this one. 
um, if her trial should be coming. I couldn't find a date for that, um, but I'm sure it will likely be sometime this year, and it may not be as publicized as like the Idaho 4, so it may be a little harder for me to find information, but I will figure out um, what comes of that and you know what charges she gets, and maybe we'll find out some more information. Maybe she'll come forward with her why, um, and we'll get some more information about baby Jane Doe and what happened that night. But So stay tuned for an update of this. It will probably come later this year at the beginning of next year, depending on when her trial is set and when it goes forth. But I'm just happy to see some justice for baby Jane Doe or Jean Chanel. Yes. We always recommend more bubbly and less OJ. Cheers. If you'd like to see pictures from today's episode, you can find us at murder.mimosas on Instagram. You can also find us at murder.mimosas on TikTok, Twitter. And if you have a case you would like us to do, you can send that to murder.mimosas at gmail.com. And lastly, we are on Facebook at Murder and Mimosas Podcast, where you can interact with us there. We love any type of feedback you can give us, so please rate and review us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.